right there where you're at. Just give the band a hand. Give them a great big hallelujah. We're so grateful for all of our great musicians and all those that help at Family Worship Center. You know, I want you to turn to your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2 with me. And I want to talk to you today. The subject of my message for you today is becoming a praying church. Becoming a praying church. And I pray, this is obviously for those of you that are in Sumter, we love you. But it's also for everybody else that watches. We've noticed that people from Columbia and Georgetown and Florence and wherever also watch this broadcast. And I think for everybody watching today and that will tune this in, that this is a method or something that we all need to understand that God wants the church to be a praying church. He wants us to pray. It's not, not something that we throw to the side or that we don't do with seriousness or with a purpose, but God wants us to become a praying church. I'm a praying man. I believe in praying. My mother was a praying mother. My father didn't pray that much. I have to be real honest. He was a pastor, but he wasn't, he didn't, I don't know if they just didn't teach him to do it or nobody encouraged it, but he wasn't, he wasn't the, the throwwork or the person that was most involved in praying. It was my mother that was the prayer. He prayed. I'm not saying that he didn't, but he was, a, he would spend more time studying the Bible and those kinds of things. And I kind of learned most of my praying as a young person from watching my mother pray. She was a fantastic prayer. She was emotional and maybe could have learned a few things. That obviously, as time has progressed and, and great men of God have, have, have picked up on wisdom from the Scriptures, we always improve. We've learned more to be more effective in the way that we pray. I mean, but back then, old-time Pentecostal folks, man, they would just pray I mean, just pray and weep at the altar and, and whatever. And, and uh, at least they were in the presence of the Lord with their prayer. And so I thank God for that. What, what uh, continued to bless me was I have a pastor that's a tremendous prayer, Pastor Reggie. He taught us to pray as young men in the church. Those of us that have left have pastored, I'm sure that all of us are similar to him and that we pray a lot. And I spend a lot of time in prayer. I find places to pray. I'm in my car praying. And with my kids, we'll be going to take them to school. And they have to be in the car with me while I pray in the spirit, you know. And I just, just believe prayer is a function of growing and the function of being more and more involved uh, in doing things. We all ought to be prayers. But a church should be filled with prayer. I have felt, a, I really, I, I use the word felt. It's really the wrong word. When you're in church, you need to use words like sense because we pick things up in our spirit. We hear things in the inside. And, and, and so it's a little different than having a feeling. We don't go by feelings. But I've been sensing the need to, the, for us to begin to pray about something today. And at the end of this service, I want us to, to do just that. I want you to pray with me. Those of you that are Sumter, I want you to pray over Sumter. Those of you in Columbia, pray over Columbia. Those in Georgetown, pray over Georgetown. And we're going to play, pray over Florence here. But let me, let me go ahead and start with this scripture here. 1 Timothy chapter 2. We'll read it all the way through and then we'll go back and pick up some thoughts. It starts this way. It says, I exhort thee therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all those that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Wherefore or whereunto I am ordained as a preacher, an apostle, and I speak the truth in Christ and I don't lie. I lie not. I teach a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and, ver and variety. I, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. 
It's obviously uh, declared in the scripture and true for us if we search the scriptures that prayer is a fundamental part of the belief or the fundamental part of what we do as a church. Uh, God's great plan for the church, one of the great things that God has planned for us is that we are a place of prayer. You know, I'm not a church that's afraid of praying. You know, I've gone to churches where all they do is do a service on Sunday morning and they fail to realize some of the very fundamental things that they are required to do or called by God to do. In our services, we're not afraid to stop for a minute and do what God called us to do, which is to pray. I mean, he declared to us that we're to pray and do it with supplication to the Lord. And we're to pray in several different ways. Listen to how it says it here in Mark chapter 11, verse 17. And he taught them, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And if we have vacated that position as as prayers or we miss the point that that's a purpose for the church and we don't understand the value of praying and we don't make that a priority of our church. And I'm, I'm hopeful that when I get done, obviously it's just something that God's put in my heart to, uh, to, to, to bring to the church is to invite us to become more prayerful. Here at Family Worship Center, we have prayer every day. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting. Monday, Tuesday, we have two prayer meetings on Monday. We have a Thursday and a Friday. And then we do a Saturday morning prayer. And then, of course, we are in church on Sunday. But we pray every day of the week for our church, for our pastors, for the ministry gifts, for our cities, for leaders. We do what the Word of God says because that's what God's called us to do. And a church that does not pray is not an effective church. And all of us as church leaders and all of us that attend church, something believers have to get, we have to receive, and we have to become serious about is our prayer life. You know, I have many people that will come to me and they'll, they'll tell me they want to do something great for God. They want to do something amazing for God. And they want to be called in the ministry and they feel led to have more of God and more. But there's some fundamental things that cause, number one, that to happen. And number two, they're serious enough that God sees them as what the church is called to do. And when we go to people and we offer them an opportunity to be a prayer group leader, I don't know purposefully that there's a higher level of calling in a church or a higher level of desire for a pastor to ask you or invite you to become. Those of you in Sumter, Columbia, Georgetown, and Florence, there's no higher level of request that can be made from you than to become a prayer group leader. I'm I'm interested, when I saw the Mary and the Martha story, and Mary was kneeling at Jesus' feet, and she was worshiping him, that's one side of the coin. It's one part of what we do. Then there was Martha who was working hard and she was tending to the dishes and doing those things. Jesus mentioned that he wanted us to worship, but they were not separated. They were together. I was, it's interesting that God put the two thoughts together, Mary and Martha, to show us that a church is filled with those who are to be here to help invite worship and to help bring worship, but there are others that have to come and help get the job done. That without those working on the food plates and those working in the nurseries and ushers and greeters and all the other things, that it can't get done. But I'm saying to all of us that part of our ministry call, part of your ministry call is to be a prayer. And when you're given an opportunity to pray, it ought to be so serious that you take that to the highest level of calling. And everything else is actually what spurs out of that. I think we ought to understand that. Christ described his house as a house of prayer for all nations. In the same way that he described the house that we're in, he described you and I corporately and individually to be prayers. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Know you not that you're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And it goes on to say that a couple of times. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says virtually the same thing. 
And that means what that's saying to us is that we ought to be characterized by a prayer life. We ought to be prayers, those of us that are in church. And I encourage all of you in all the cities watching and everyone watching that you find a way to become involved in the prayer life of a church. If you're a family worship center, it's time that we don't have two or three coming to prayer, or five or six coming to prayer, or eight or ten coming to prayer. It's time that the church in, involves itself in coming to prayer meetings, joining with other believers and praying. And I want to encourage you that you find the prayer group leaders. And I want to encourage the prayer group leaders. Find people in the church. Invite them to come pray. Invite them to be involved in the ministry. Invite them to come pray for their pastor and their church and fellow people. So that was interesting. The Bible says pray for one another that you will be healed. There's something to that that we have to understand that our constant prayer for one another, the things that we do in church, the way we come to church, there is a need for us to understand that working with one another, praying for one another, and actively involved in asking God's blessings on others is what brings blessings to us. Pray for one another that you can be healed. Maybe we're missing the point that God wants us to pray for each other. That he wants us to be committed to that as we deal with COVID and we deal with this disease. And I want you to know, I want this. Listen, that thing's straight from hell. It's straight from the devil. It's a disease that's right out of the pit of hell. It's a devil's disease. It, the Bible says that he sent his word to heal us. I speak healing and deliverance over everyone that's involved or had COVID or could have COVID. I'm just cursing the thing in Jesus' name. But we ought to begin to pray for one another against this foul thing from hell. Because if we pray for one another, we'll be healed. Don't miss your moment. We should be characterized by prayer. Our church should be filled with prayer. Maybe sometimes it gets a little lofty or a little heavy and you're a prayer group leader or whatever or you're a prayer and you feel the weight of that prayer. And maybe it gets boring. But I've been in ministry now. This is my 23rd year in, in March. I'll have been pastoring for 23 years. You know, I, I would like to tell you that every time I got up to preach... You know, I preach three times, sometimes on Sunday today, I'm preaching three services. And then I do the youth now and do other things and minister and, and counsel people all over the place. And, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, we do all we can to have involvement with re and relational stuff and be friends. And I mean, whatever God calls us to do, we've done it. But I want to be honest with you. I hadn't always had the joy of jumping up and running and doing it. Now, that might surprise you. You'd think a pastor would just get up and tell you that every time he steps behind the pulpit, that that anointing was there, the power of God came, presence of the Lord, and he just felt. Now, every time I get up, I expect it. Every time I get up, I try to have it. But I can tell you, sometimes I stayed up late with my kids. Sometimes I was tired during the week. And yet I knew the calling of God on my life. That calling was to get up, come to the house of God, have asked God for a message and deliver something from God that would change lives. And I found when I stepped up to do it, God would anoint it, even if I didn't feel like doing it. And I'll tell you the same thing. If God's called you to do some things in the church, he called you to be an usher. There are times you don't feel like getting in your car, driving to family worship center and just shaking that old boy's hand that's coming through that door. But he called you to do it. If you're a prayer group leader or something like that, you've got to understand it's not that you had constant happiness about doing it, but you'll always have joy if you follow the Holy Ghost. You'll have joy to know that you continued on a plan and, and, and don't think that you won't have seasons when you do the effort or when you have to continue on the process. And I'll say to everybody that wants to come to prayer, prayer is a muscle. You know, I, I'd like to tell you I go to the gym every day and that I've become a gym warrior and that I'm in there working out. I know I should work out. 
I know I need to do more working out and get some more muscle on me or whatever. But I don't have the, I don't have the desire to go in there and do that particular thing. And so I don't go and do it. Listen, if I did and I became faithful at it, it would become more of a, a I'd, have to have, I'd have to make a commitment to do that. Prayer is the same way. You have to make a commitment to do that thing. First of all, you have to understand it's God's priority for you to do it. Somebody say amen. He said that the church is to be a praying church. And as churches, we're to prioritize prayer as part of our, our, our desire. First of all, I noticed that this scripture, this is something maybe we've missed when we read that. But the scripture reads this way. And I want to read it from another translation to you. And this is what it says in that first scripture. It says, first of all, then I urge that request prayers, intercessions, and thanks be offered on behalf of all people. He used the word first of all. I think that's a really amazing thing. He said, first of all, you know, before we move in to do some things, that we do some things that, that we are really required by God, and God has given us a, a, a direction here that, that one of the very first or the first thing we should do is pray. First of all, I urge you that you pray. Now, that's the desire of God for the church. That's the desire of God for the people of the house of God, is that we, first of all, make an effort to pray. And so we ought to all be that way. When we come in, we do ushers. There ought to be a moment that we've prayed before we got here. Or when we get there, maybe just have some time where we prayed a minute. And when we do the music, maybe just a moment to pray in the presence of God. First of all, and I like the word that he, he uses, the word, I urge you. In other words, it's not just something that's to casually be done. It's, I first of all, urge you that you pray. Now, that's the Bible to us. I urge you to pray. He uses the word urge to emphasize the importance of prayer. And the church should prioritize prayer as it would any other individual should do the same thing. We see in the early church that prayer was a priority of the books. We see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, he said, Be careful from, uh, from among you, or be carefully select among you, brothers, seven men who are well attested, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of natural stuff, so that we can give ourselves to prayer and to the, to the, to, uh, the word. So for the church, this was a priority. It's not something we've just, we just randomly do. Church, it's something God told us to do. First of all, I urge you. And he goes on to tell us, he says this in Acts chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Wherefore, brethren, look again among you seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, again. But we'll give ourselves continually, continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. The early church devoted itself to prayer. It was devoted to prayer. And the apostles prioritized it over a lot of it. Listen, we know the Bible told us that, 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 that they were to take care of widows in those things. But the disciples prioritized prayer as a higher level of work than working with the widows in the church. Now, that's a pretty amazing statement, isn't it? I have a feeling it's because, I will say this to you, the reason God has ordained for us to pray is because prayer carries out the plans of God. It's what processes the very plans of God. It's what makes things work. And when we don't pray, we don't have the working oil necessary to do it. And it has to be at the priority. First of all, I urge you. First of all, I urge you to do it. I like something somebody said about, about prayer. Listen to this. This is a great statement. You might want to write this down. And I put this in purple and yellow letters. It might be something you might even want to put on a post. Post it on your site. Prayer is not preparation for the work. It is the great work. I like that. 
It's not just preparation for the great work. It is the great work. I'm going to say it one more time. Prayer is not just the preparation for the great work. It is the great work. I love that. Prayer must be a priority. We have to continue to, to, to uh, discipline ourselves to understand the value of prayer as a priority. It's the way God has chosen to bring about his kingdom. Why does God require us to pray? Because God originally made man to have dominion on this earth. We were the ones that spoke things into existence. And prayer continues the process of that dominion in our lives. As we pray out God's word, we activate the dominion of God in the world. We cause the things of God to come to pass. Because when they come out of our mouth, it's us speaking God's word over the planet, over our lives, over our money, over our finances, over our health, over others. And we must prioritize and understand that great value of prayer. God made us that person responsible for bringing his plan to pass with our words. It's through man's mouth that we rule and build his kingdom. And even though men fall, that's still God's method on the earth for us to build the church. Listen to this. More of God gave us a complete plan about it. Listen, Ezekiel 22, 30 through 31 says this. I look for a man from among you who will repair the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the land for me so that I would not destroy it and I found no one. I want this church not to be that. I don't want this church to be somewhere where God finds no one to, to prepare to provide his plan or speak his plan to the world. I want to know that we have done what God called us to do. As a matter of fact, to see people saved, I always it's amazing to me that prayer is so vital that even in getting people saved, which is what God's desire is. When we read that scripture, it says it's his desire that people would be saved. His desire is that. But yet Matthew 9, 38 says this, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send laborers into the field. You know, it's his harvest. He's the one who saves them. He's the one who delivers them. I mean, why would God ask us to be the ones to pray? Why? Because it is man who causes the priority of God to prevail. And so when we pray, we cause things of God to happen. It is us who prays. If we want to see churches filled, we must pray. If we want to see people healed, we have to have hearts of prayer. This is a season when the church needs to become more prayerful than ever. And there are things going on that as a church, we need to understand the value of prayer. Maybe we don't quite get it. Maybe it just hasn't become a reality. You know, this week I, I knew a young man, a, a, a 51-year-old young man. And uh, I saw a text in Facebook that this young man had caught COVID. And that he had died from respiratory failure because of COVID. I got a text this morning from a man about his wife. That his wife had gotten uh, COVID and was having uh, pneumonia. And these things are real. This disease and what the devil's doing is real. It's something that, that we have the ability to have priority over. This is why prayer is so important. Pray for one another that you will be healed. I, I don't want to lose any more friends. I don't want to see anybody else die from this disease. I don't want this disease in my house. I don't want it with my children. They're even saying that, you know, that there's uh, things, even people who've had the vaccination have gotten this disease. This is a thing from hell. And we have, if we've ever needed to do anything, we need to be in the house of God where God is. We need to be under the power and the glory of God. We need to use wisdom to protect ourselves. And more than that, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray against this thing and pray for our families. Pray for one another that you'll be saved. He said, if we'll pray that God will send laborers. Laborers come. 
But when we don't pray, we, we, relieve, we leave ourselves vulnerable to the attack of the devil. How can we pray? How can we do this? What is it that we need to do? Number one, we need to prioritize prayer by praying about everything all the time. Pray about everything all the time. First Thessalonians says this. It says, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 25, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Folks, there's no time to get to get dismantled from prayer. It's not time to, to, to get to get uh, to to get uh, uh, weary in praying. It's time that we continue to buckle up and strap up and continue to do the work of God because prayer is necessary. If you wanted to give up and you wanted to quit, rejoin. Get back, in the, uh, get back into prayer because he tells us we're to pray without ceasing. That's the word of God. That's not Steve McCart's word. That's the Bible. That's, that's what the Bible says. You and I, the church, we're to pray without ceasing. There's an endeavor to pray. To be given an opportunity to do that's amazing. And let me, let me add to that. I want to add to it. You know, I found out for those of you, uh, for those that are even prayer group leaders in this church, I found it's extremely difficult to be a prayer group leader in a church if you don't hear the, preacher pay, if you don't hear the pastor preach. It, it's really an amazing thing to me. But I've noticed that when you get in the house of God and you continue to hear your pastor preach, then you can preach out of the heart that's in the church. You know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to brag on myself a little bit, and you can criticize me if you want to, but I'm going to say this in all reality. For, for those who have come to the church, those who are in the church, those that have been here in the past, I would have given anything, and I'm a pastor myself, and I have to deal with the fact that, you know, as a pastor, you hear from the Lord. I have a pastor, Pastor Reggie, but let me say this to you. I thank God that I had a tremendous pastor in Pastor Reggie that prayed and taught us to do all the things that we did. I'm, I will forever be grateful for that understanding, that knowledge, and that learning. But I would have loved in this, just given this time, I'm not talking about Pastor Ridge, I'm talking about me now. I would have loved to have had a pastor like me. I would have, I, I mean, sometimes in my life, I would have wished that God, or I would have prayed that God would have given me someone with the integrity, the character, the love, compassion, heart for God, prays, seeks the Lord, worries about the people, shepherds them, not solely individually desiring things, not vainglorious, not, I would have, I mean, that should be our prayer. I almost feel today, I'm certainly a much better pastor than I was 22 years ago. But I thank God, and I think that the church ought to understand something. To have a man of God who listens to the Spirit of God, to have a man of God who spends time in prayer, to have a man of God that will preach the truth to you and not sway from it, is not afraid of being rejected. They'll preach honestly and openly. Preach all the word of God and not some of it. That doesn't just try to build, uh, add people to seats, but tries to add hearts, God to hearts. You ought to have more respect for that. You ought to have more love for that. You ought to have more honor towards that. That's why the Bible says honor those that are in leadership above you. And I'll just say this to anybody watching there. Maybe you go to Family Worship Center. You're not here today. You know, I want to suggest you get in the house of God and hear your pastor preach. That if you have access to your pastor, you ought to, get, you ought to try and have a relationship with your pastor. You ought to try and do things because you don't, you don't understand what you have sometimes. You don't understand what's really sitting in the house sometimes. And how God is actually, but you know, God doesn't bless a, a church with a city. He doesn't bless us with a city. He blesses a city with a church. And when you talk about this church, it's made fundamental impact on this community. 
racially we've broken traditions when we started here there weren't any racial churches or interracial churches like this we've broken every kind of barrier you could break that's something we ought to applaud we ought to be happy but we've seen young men and young women developed in the kingdom of god we ought to be more happy about the fact that they've gone on and continued in the presence of god stayed in holy ghost churches because somebody planted that in them Young man and young woman this morning were leaving and going back to school. And I suggested them wherever they go, make sure you get in Holy Ghost churches. And I would say that to anybody out there, you ought to be honored to have a man of God that would do that. You know, I know I I grew up in a pastor's home. And so I know a little bit about pastoring and those that pastor. And I I just want to once again say to you that, that, that if you have a chance to pray at Family Worship Center, do it. Come in with honor. Be serious about it. Don't get lazy. Don't get, don't get deficit on it. Don't get deteriorate. Don't let something deteriorate your, your desire to pray. Get back in there and pray for God to help you to pray. Ask God to help you to be a better prayer group leader and more enthusiastic and more excited. Because it's not something that we, we can just take for granted. He said that we're to pray without ceasing. You ought to thank God you get to pray, not that you have to pray. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. This is God's will concerning you to constantly pray. It's translated in another, in another uh, scripture, and another translation is pray without ceasing or constantly pray. We must learn to pray when we are worried, angry, hungry, sleepy, resting, or working. We must learn to continue to pray. This is a discipline we develop by learning to bring every thought into the activity of God or with God. Prayer is not important just for the kingdom of God, but just as important for us. We learn to do these things. Number two, we prioritize prayer by setting aside specific times to do it. We've done that here. Look on the bulletins and look and see how and where we pray. Come to those prayer meetings. Set aside times in homes. Set aside times to pray. Number three, we prioritize prayer by setting aside time for corporate prayer. You have to not only just do personal prayer, but you come pray with others. Believers should make corporate prayer a priority. Listen to Matthew 18, 19 through 20. And I tell you again, if any two of you on earth agree as touching anything, whatever your father has, it'll be done. For where two or three are assembled in my name, corporate prayer. It's not just individual prayer, but where two come together, assembled in his name. That's what churches do. We come and assemble in his name. Listen to Jesus himself. He said that we're to pray that way. Listen to 1 Timothy, goes on again, and it says, First of all, I then urge you to request prayers, intercessions, and thanks for all people. How do we practice this? We pray for people generally. We pray for people in authorities. We pray for spiritual leaders. We pray for an evangelistic thrust in our church. We pray that we have right attitudes about prayer. And I want to encourage you, don't miss the moments of prayer. That the church becomes praying. Sumter, get ready to pray. Get ready to come into a church that doesn't take prayer as just a a vague thing. But it's serious. It's it's, it's vastly important. Critical to church growth. Critical to personal growth. So I tell you today, you become a prayer. Start praying. You say, I don't know how to pray. Just pray out of your heart. Start by praying, I pray to the Father and end it by in Jesus' name. That's the corporate, that's the methodology. We start, we pray to the Father and we do it in Jesus' name. And so I'd encourage you to become a prayer. I want to read a scripture to you because I feel, I sense, I I keep using the word feel, I don't want to use that word, but I sense that we ought to take a minute and pray related to this COVID thing. It says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, this is Psalms 91, shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. 
And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings shall I trust. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of a terror by night, nor of an arrow that flies by day, nor of the ple- uh, for the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at my side, and ten thousand at my right hand, but it won't come nigh me. Only with the eyes shall I see and behold, and see the reward of the wicked." I want to read another scripture. Exodus 23, 25 says, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take away sickness from the midst of thee. Exodus 23, 25. James 5, 14 and 15 says this. James 5, 14 and 15 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon, uh, upon him was the, chastisement, was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes... We are healed. Lastly, Psalms 118, 17 says, I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. I want you to join with me just for a few minutes, and I want us to just worship him. Just if you're in something, maybe stand up around your couch or by your sink, or if you're driving, don't stand up. Amen. But let's worship him a minute. Come on. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. Stand up in this auditorium with me, will you? To worship you. Sing it, Brother Sammy.
And we use wisdom. Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to make good choices. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now I want to thank him for it. Would you just raise your hands? We don't, we don't have to take forever. We just spoke it and believe it. Father, we believe it. Come on, give him thanks out there. Sumter, give him thanks. Georgetown, give him thanks. Columbia, give him thanks. 